here we are in May. Summer is peeking its sweaty nose around the corner, but the topic of this episode of the Crust Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast is Christmas, specifically another lonely Christmas, the B-side to I Would Die For You from the Purple Rain album. Joining me to discuss another lonely Christmas, first-time podcast guest, Todd Sanzone. Welcome to the show, Todd. Thank you, sir. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. I appreciate you joining me for this very first episode of yours, Another Lonely Christmas. So as a first-time podcast guest, uh, I, I think it'd be a good idea to maybe give the listeners, you know, a little bit of a history of who you are and what your history with Prince is, where you first started listening to him, how you really got into him. What is what is like your Prince story? Awesome. Happy to share. So, and I'm going to go in sort of two different directions with this a little bit without hopefully being too long-winded. First, musically, I've never been musically inclined personally. In fact, my cousins and I sort of joke that it skipped our generation, the talent. But but my father and my uncle were both musicians. And so from a very, very young age, first of all, I just had music playing around all the time, you know, in the house, in the car, uh, singing along, whatever. And then uh, as I got a little bit older, I started being toted around to gigs that my father was doing and at the time that i came on the scene you know in the mid to late 70s um, he was in a, a wedding band so it was a cover band that was playing parties and such and so i got to hear him play hits that were on the radio at the time but before i came along and before he married my mom in the early and mid 60s uh, he was in a pop my dad was he was in a popular band uh here in the well I now live in Virginia, but I I grew up in Baltimore. So he was in a popular band in the Baltimore area, in the surrounding areas. Um, A bunch of white guys whose lead singer voice was quite dynamic. And in his upper register, he could sound very much like Smokey Robinson. Hmm. So so they played this awesome mix of the flavor of of the time, which was Motown up and coming at that time. And you know, uh, British Invasion stuff. So they've got some sort of psychedelic pop songs and then they've got um, their most popular record was a song actually written by Smokey Robinson who had heard them play and liked them and gave them a song of his to record. And and Smokey recorded it himself as well on on one of his records, I can't remember which. But anyway, um, so so I've got a little bit of musical uh, pedigree, even though, again, I didn't pick up the talent. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, music was always part of my my DNA, if you will. And then fast forward to now my entree into the Prince world, maybe a little bit cliche, but being of an age, I was perfectly set up to fine prints at the Purple Rain era, this era that we're discussing, right? So um, I like to say that I was at the perfect place at the right time, at the right age, when when Dove's Cry hit the radio in May 1984, I just turned 12 years old. It came out a couple of days after my, my 12th birthday. And that song captured my attention like none I'd ever heard. And I just remember you know, my hands hovering over the radio dial, literally to to, to wait for that the, the radio to play One Dove's Cry every hour on the hour, so I could blast it and listen as closely as I could and eventually hit record on my tape player so I could get a copy of it clean without the DJ talking over it. <laughs> and so from that point forward, I was all in. I mean, almost instantly. 
and then as time went on i didn't it's a funny little story i was 12 years old again and the purple rain phenomena hit that summer it was you know two number one singles and a hit movie and then the album and it was purple rain summer right so but i didn't have the record my folks didn't get me the record i didn't go and get the record i didn't have my own ways and means to go out and buy stuff yet so um i was chomping at the bit and finally the quarter one of my school year that fall i got good grades my folks asked me what i wanted they'd give me a little treat and i said i want purple rain so i, I can clearly remember my folks coming home my dad i think my dad probably came home from work one day had the record in his hand and i was so excited i tore open the, the packaging and i pulled out the record i'm reading the lyrics just right there in front of them and at the time this is like this would have been like october late october 1984 local radio stations in the dc baltimore market were playing every song on that record single or no they were playing it and so right around that time darling nikki started getting some airtime and they they edited out mm -hmm. uh the one word right but they were playing it and so my, my mom was like let me see that for a minute let's see what this word is they're editing out <laughs> right? right and so she and so she's le she's reading lyrics she's like oh no i don't think you can have this and I grabbed that back out of her hand and ran like a bat out of hell down the, <laughs> down the hall, locked myself in my bedroom and started playing that record. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there was no way she was getting it back. So uh, so that's my story. <laughs> that's your story and you're sticking to it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. I mean, I would say that sounds very, uh, very similar to my story that I've, I've mentioned several times on the show about When Doves Cry is a very special song. So it's going to it hit a lot of people in the right way even if it wasn't the very first song you heard of prince's something about that song i think really resonated with a lot of us at a certain age and just um how it how different it sounded from so much of what else was on the pop radio stations at the time exactly yes it's uh uniqueness really set it apart yes and sometimes uniqueness doesn't get rewarded in in pop music or in popular culture sometimes it gets actually uniqueness is a detriment in success and sometimes mm -hmm. in music but that wasn't the case with when does cry so another lonely christmas is the song we're talking about today and the song has quite a few lyrics to it there's there's quite a few verses in this song prince sings a lot of lines here he's trying to tell a story right so this is kind of like a story song Yep. And before we get too far into it, though, I do like to always provide a little bit of housekeeping, a little bit of background on a song that we're covering. So, as I mentioned, Another Lonely Christmas was the B-side to I Would Die For You, which was the album's fourth single. Uh, I Would Die For You was released as a single in November 28th of 1984, so really just in time to kick off the 1984 holiday season. Prince had recorded the song back in February of, of the same year, but you can imagine he was holding on to it. I mean, it wasn't going to make the the final track listing for Purple Rain. It didn't have a place in the movie at all. I mean, thematically, the plot of the song and the plot of the film had nothing in common, so it really didn't make any sense for this song to be on the soundtrack. But he was holding on to it, I, I just imagine, be waiting for an opportunity to slap it on as a b-side around christmas time 
and I Would Die For You just happened to be the song that was released right in time for the 84 holiday season. So, hey, I've got this song I wrote. It's got Christmas in the title. Um, let's get it out there and maybe, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an opportune moment to let this song kind of shine. And I thought that was interesting, you know, holding on to a song like that. Yeah. Another interesting fact about the song is that Prince only played this song once, live. December 26th, 1984, the day after Christmas, 84. There was a charity show that he was performing at in St. Paul at the, the Civic Center Arena there, and he performed this song. And that was the one and only time he ever played it live. So, you know, there's songs that he's never played live. There's songs that he's played live only a handful of times. And just one time, though, is kind of a unique situation. And the song, you know, falls under that category of one and done for Prince. The question for me is not so much when you released it, because you're right, it was the perfect timing. It was the uh, the launch of the holiday season that year, and what a you know put a Christmas song on the back of a of a single, and maybe even it, maybe it might, might even boost sales, right? So who knows? People thought, mm-hmm. oh, with just looking at the title, people maybe thought, oh, Prince wrote a a, a Christmas song. This should be interesting. Um, and mm-hmm. um, oh, probably they were surprised. But n- the question for me is recording it in february you have a christmas song they recorded it two months after the holidays of the previous year kind of (laughs) odd i have this thought in my head where maybe he had the title or maybe just lonely christmas or christmas question mark written in this purple notebook somewhere and with the thought of maybe i'll come back to this at some point and then all of a sudden um, based on the way that we know he often created it just came to him one night. And he decided he had to get to the studio to record the song. Because you're right, it is kind of a one-off. It's there's nothing quite like it. And I, um, looking at Dwayne uh, Tudal's book, uh, which you know is the Bible, right? He, he's, right. So two two other songs were recorded that week. You had Nude Rendezvous, which ended up with Sheila E, and you had Pop Life. So that was he was already into his next record by that time. And right. then Another Lonely Christmas. Those were the three songs that were put on tape that week in February. So it was just sort of a weird thing to fit in among his other songs that he was working on at the time. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting for sure that those, those were all recorded around the same time because they all kind of have like this, they talk about different things, but none of them would I consider to be joyous songs. Yeah, agree. Songs that, are, that have like really happy themes or really upbeat. Uh, so maybe Prince was kind of feeling a little down when he was writing and recording these songs all in a row like this. Who knows? Yeah. But but that that also opens up a debate. Is this really a Christmas song? Right. People, it's. I mean, I think it is personally because it's... I mean, sorry, you have Christmas in the title. You can't put Christmas in the title without people thinking it's a Christmas song. Whatever your intentions were... It's going to always be considered a Christmas song if you throw the holiday in the title of the song and in the chorus. It's just, there's no way around that. Exactly. And he actually mentions December 25th in one of the verses, too. So Yeah. So whether or not, you know, I mean, yes, you could you could uh, replace the word Christmas in the song with any holiday and it wouldn't really change anything. You just have to change the date. Yep. <laughs> that that, that um, his girlfriend died. But at the end of the day, its song isn't so much about Christmas as it is about uh, death, really, and, and mourning. Yes. It's a, it's a very melancholy 
song with a lot of lot of uh, sentimentality, a lot of nostalgia, especially in the the first couple of, of verses of the song. But it's also a very lonely and, and sad song as well. It's um, that's to me that's the overarching theme of the song is just loneliness and despair. Uh, it's a bit it's a bit depressing, and that's not usually something you think of when you think of Christmas songs. You don't think of despair, loneliness, and depression um, or sadness. But those are kind of like some of the the feelings this song invokes in the listener because of how it's performed and what what he's saying in the song but there's also with the whole sentimentality and nostalgia there's some there's some lighter moments uh in the lyrics and and as we start uh, going through them we can highlight those but i wouldn't say that's the over overarching theme of the song though isn't light and jolly would you agree agreed yeah this is definitely a a twist, uh, you know, 180 degrees from a standard holiday song. Um, definitely melancholy. Definitely, um, yeah, you know, thought-provoking <laughs> to a degree. You know, as a funny little exercise leading up to our conversation, I just look, went on. I use Apple Music for for my listening, and I just searched in Apple Music for another lonely Christmas. And there are some other songs out there by other artists named Another Lonely Christmas. None of them covers or related to this song. And just a few, so not many, um, but but all of them, uh, I didn't listen to all of them, but uh, the lyrics, I guess, would be about loneliness because lonely is in the title. But for the most part, just musically, when I listened to a snippet of each one, they sounded much more cheerful, even though it was a lonely song. This one certainly is not. This one is definitely a blues uh, or you know a feeling the blues kind of song and a, and a sad um, look at what is a fictional song princess said a fictional song but it's one yeah. about death so yeah right and it, it is important to kind of mention that that this isn't an autobiographical song that prince wrote to relate a story of something that happened to him in his past this this is a purely fictional song with fictional lyrics sung by a fictional character so right right just keeping that in mind as we go through it so right off the bat, the song starts off with the chorus, which is kind of also a unique thing. It's not that common. It's not that common of a thing, period. And it's not that common of a of, of a thing that Prince did, as far as, at least up to this point in his career. I, I don't know if you noticed that at all, Todd, with the whole starting off with the chorus thing. I did. And there's something to be taken from that i think it's almost a a little trick of the trade in this case because just looking at the chorus well he didn't have to start with the chorus necessarily to achieve this but if you just look at the chorus you don't know that someone's died you just know that they're gone mm -hmm. you should have been there but it doesn't mean they're gone permanently it just means they're gone out of his life and then you don't learn until later that oops this something more has happened here Oh yeah, that is that is one of the fascinating things about this song, is it's kind of like a the plot device. Like if this was a film or a TV show, mm -hmm. that moment would be like uh, you know the moment where there's like this um, plot twist in it. Right. Like you think it's going one way, and you think he's just talking about somebody that left him, or you know he's feeling really sad about the the end of a relationship. 
he's trying to convince this woman to come back to him. Right. And then you find out about halfway through the song, because of the lyrics, in a, in a verse, that he's singing about somebody who's, who's passed, who's deceased. And that would be like, if we're watching a movie, that would be a plot twist, you know? It's like, exactly. You don't see it, necessarily see it coming. He doesn't give us any clues throughout the song that this is somebody that he's singing to that is no longer no longer with us. So I do find that fascinating. Okay, so um, as we've kind of mentioned, there's a lot of darkness in this song, and, and I'll just read the chorus first because that's what he does. Last night I spent another lonely Christmas. Darling, darling, you should have been there. Because all the ones I dream about, you are the one that makes my love shout. You see, you are the only one I care for. So right off the bat, the chorus is telling us he's, you know, alone. Um, the title of the song is repeated, Another Lonely Christmas. And he, it, it, by leading it off with last night, I spent another lonely Christmas. You know, you get visually that it's now the day after. Um, it's kind of like he's, it's like a hangover, maybe like a sorrow hangover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually find out later it's a probably a, a literal hangover um, <laughs> that he's singing about in some ways. Right. But yeah, he, he's he's reminiscing. He's he's wishing that his his lover, his girlfriend. We don't really know what kind of a relationship they had. He doesn't explicitly say. But the girl of his dreams, the girl he he was with, is not with him anymore, and he's had to spend Christmas alone or he chose to spend Christmas alone because she wasn't there. Yeah, and it's more than um, just the day after. I mean, it is the, literally the, the day after this Christmas, but it's been at least two Christmases because he says another lonely Christmas. So it's been maybe a year or more after the actual death. Of course, we learn later that this person, his lover, his fictional lover, actually passed away on the 25th day of December. We just don't know what year it happened. So this could be one year later. It could be several years later. Yeah. Um, but at, he's at been sitting point, on this loneliness for a while. Yep. At this point, we don't know how long. You learn later, like you said, though. But at this point, we don't know. We just know that it's a repeating event. <laughs> yep. All right. So then after saying this, and, and the song, this, the way the song is structured is there's a lot of lyrics, but they're sung in succession. There's not a lot of, of music uh, interludes. Right. You get, the, you get the music later on. Remember the time we swam naked in your father's pool? Boy, he was upset that night. Boy, was that ever cool? Remember that night we played with Keto for money and you robbed me blind? Remember the time we swam naked in your father's pool? Boy, he was upset that night. But boy, was that ever cool. Remember that night we played Pokino for money and you robbed me blind? Remember how you used to scream so loud because you hated that number nine? Hey, I saw your sister skating on the lake this Hey, I saw your sister skating on the lake this afternoon. 
Good heaven how she's grown. She swoons, the boy skaters, cause she's so tall. But of all your father's children, all your father's children, baby, you know you are the finest of them all. You are brighter than the northern star. That makes up basically the first couple of verses. He has a pause after the number nine. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm grouping them together because they kind of are all doing the same thing. They're providing the listener some backstory. You right. know, they're providing us a chance to, to reminisce with Prince, with the singer, uh, about this, this lover that he's lost. So what are what are some of the things here in these these section of lines, Todd, that that you find interesting or that you take away from it? Uh, well, I think you touched on it. It's reminiscing the good times, and here in this verse or verses, you you get the sense that there were some fun times, and often Prince's fun times kind of sway into the sexual, but this really doesn't. It's just about they're playing games, they're, they're skinny dipping in the pool. Um, it's just fun. And so I take that away, uh, you know, and of course, Prince is doting on her too. So he not only sees her as a friend, someone to be, to live life with and have fun with, but also he calls her out as the finest of them all. And um, so he is definitely uh, full of adoration for her. Mm-hmm. So that that's clear. And so that's when he gets a little bit more serious toward the end there. Uh, as far as his feelings for her uh, but otherwise it's just smiling and remembering the good times i really like how he he puts the details in this section like he's not yeah. just saying remember that time that we had fun at the pool or remember how we used to play cards like it gets really detailed here like they didn't just swim they they swam naked they skinny they went skinny dipping in her dad's pool like if i was a father and my daughter was in my pool naked with her boyfriend i I wouldn't be too thrilled with that (laughs) right and so he makes makes sure that that we know that he was upset that night right we you know we thought it was funny as hell basically yep and then the whole pokino for money i mean that's a very specific card game they didn't just play poker or or some other game that is more commonly known we, I don't really know much about Pukino, and you know we talked a little bit beforehand. Yep. Either of us are really familiar with this game, but it exists. It's a thing, so they must have had that in common that they both knew how to play this game and they they enjoyed it. That was something they enjoyed doing together, which is cool to add that detail here. Agreed, and that is a that is a funny detail and one that. Yeah, like you said, we talked about a little bit beforehand. I didn't know what Pukino was. In fact, I think all along without having researched the lyrics i think i thought it was something else i didn't know pakino was the actual name of the game but anyway i finally looked it up and i was like okay what is this i have no clue is this a real thing or something prince world made up and um nope it's a real game and i'm guessing he's he's played it so uh it's like a it's a combination it's a board game but it's sort of a combination played with a deck of cards somewhere between poker and kino yeah, um, hence the name. So, yeah, hence the name, exactly. So, And it looks like it might be kind of fun, so I actually went ahead and ordered a, a game for myself and my family to play. So I'm going to have some Pekino to play next week. So I'll let, I'll let you know how that goes. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be asking questions about how the Pekino nights are going in your house. You'll, ha- you'll have a full report, no worries. <laughs> um, yeah, and the other thing about this section, you know, I get like halfway through when he says he saw her sister skating on the lake and I kind of get the sense like it was maybe this event that maybe sparked 
this whole oh. trip down memory lane. And there's there's her little sister that's all grown up now, you know. And that also kind of gives us a clue that this has been a while. Yeah. And it's not like you're. She he's saying that she is all grown up. She's gotten so much bigger. So there must have been some period of time that has passed since they've been together. And he's singing this song for her to have literally grown. And she's gotten so tall, and now she's making all the boys swoon. Um, so she's basically doing what his girlfriend did years ago, was a looker, but it was what we have to assume. Mm. But he wants to make sure, like, I saw your, your your little sister, she's really attractive now, she's all grown up. But don't worry, I, you know, of all your father's children, you're still the finest of them all. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not saying, you know, I've got eyes on your little sister now. <laughs> I'm just pointing out that she's all grown up and it kind of made me reminisce about you know you again and so i don't know if that's that was intended like this whole event of seeing her sister spark to this memory because something tells me that he goes through this this character of, that prince is singing from goes through this every single christmas as well for sure i get the sense i think you're right christmas is is an automatic touchstone for people so if something terrible happens or something good happens you know and it happens on a holiday it's just sort of um uh, exacerbated if you will maybe that's the mm-hmm. wrong word but it's uh it's brought more to the fore because it happened on christmas or on whatever and so i think he was already in that mindset because of the holiday but then he had to throw in too like you know this is maybe the this the seeing of this uh, of her sister on the lake is what prompted him to sit down and write about it um, yeah versus yeah. actually remembering it yeah yeah and that also you bring up a good point with that the whole writing so at this point in the song, we don't know what, what what's going on here. Is he having a literal conversation with her? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I don't get that personally, but one could think it's just a very one-sided conversation. He's talking to her, found her somehow, is able to get a hold of her. Um, or is he writing a letter? You know, like, I don't know. Like, you run into an old flame over the holiday season. You Like, let's say, hypothetically, you've left town or whatever. You've broken up with this girl. You left town. Maybe she left town. You know how it goes, especially when you're maybe a little bit younger and you haven't you know, haven't started a family of your own. A lot of times they'll come back to the towns they, they grew up in, where their parents live, if they've left, to spend the holidays there and meeting up with old friends or even old flames. And so one could even think of it from that perspective that he's run into her again like he's visiting town and she and he ran into her or vice versa she's visiting from out of town and they ran into each other and he started like oh hey do you have time to chat i want to tell you about all this what happened to me i saw your sister and god remember the good times we had yeah so it's just another way of thinking of how this song is being presented sure so now he's a nostalgic and sentimental mood but towards the end of those lines you get the you know, he's starting to think more deeply about this person. Then he goes back into the chorus again. So after the second chorus is sung, we have a, a point here now where there's a difference in how the lyrics go between the original seven-inch version, which is a just under five-minute song. It's already kind of long song because of so many lyrics. Right. But there's also an extended version of the song that was uh, on the 12-inch version of I Would Die For You that's well over six minutes. And that includes additional uh, instrumentation towards the end of the song. But 
there's an additional verse here and this additional verse gives a little more it's more along the same lines of the first section with uh, reminiscing and in bringing up things that they used to do and he's basically asking her to remember back back when you know remember the time we did this remember the time we did that and i can see why he took these lines out do you still like banana do you still like banana daiquiris boy we used to get so tight oh you used to get so horny you made me leave the lights on. I'd pay money just to see your laughing, dancing silhouette upon the pier. Sometimes I think I hear you smiling. Sometimes I think you're here. I find myself all in every pillow In the bed you and I used to share Last night I spent another lonely Christmas Darling, you should be, you should be there I find myself holding every pillow in the bed you and I used to share. Last night I spent another lonely Christmas. Darling, you should be, you should be there. So the, the version that most people got if you just bought the seven inch of I Would Die For You doesn't have any of those lines in it. It's almost like bonus lyrics if you have the, the 12 inch version. Right. So keep that in mind as we go through the song because most people don't have this or didn't hear this. So I have outlined on my paper, just you know, notes in the, in the, uh, you know, on the side, I have chorus, verse one, chorus, verse 2a chorus uh, verse 2b <laughs> and yeah. then chorus verse 3 chorus so um so yeah this is definitely it adds more to the backstory it is uh if you want the whole picture go ahead and listen to that six minute version that whole version which it got me wondering because i just don't remember this is not a single that i had back in the 80s i did not know the long version existed until years later um and I don't, I, was the long version ever released uh, in any other format other, up until, or before rather, before the Purple Rain Deluxe came out? Do you know? Do you Not know? to my knowledge, because the version that was on the Hits and B-Sides collection was, in 93. Was the edit. Yes, was the seven inch edit. <clears throat> so at some point along the line, I must have picked up an MP3 of the longer version. So I've had it for a while, I don't know but I didn't actually get an official version of it until the last couple of years. And so there's a good chance that many, many people don't know this version at right. all. So so I would definitely encourage folks to seek it out um, because it definitely adds some, some texture to the entirety of the song. Um, but I agree with you. I, I understand why he took it out. And for me, sort of an ideal version of this song, if I were to play you know, Prince's editor, would be to leave these, this verse out but keep on the extra musical, musical stuff at the end because there's some beautiful music and we can get to that later, but it's really pretty. And it, I think it, um, uh, I think it adds to the song at the end, but, uh, but yeah, this verse is, and here's Prince, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of times when he starts reminiscing, he, or when he starts having fun, it's of a sexual nature. Well, here he is, he's mm -hmm. drinking banana daiquiris and talking about how she used to get so horny. So he just, can't, <laughs> he can't stay away from that side of his, um, his personality too long so he mentions that and uh you know but still it's more of a um, a whimsical reminiscing of 
their fun times together uh, before yeah. it goes too far into the seriousness of what has transpired. Yep, exactly, exactly. So yeah, after that, then he gets the chorus again, which is not sang again on the seventh version because he just sang the chorus. So why would he sing it twice in a row? Right, right. So after this bonus verse, he sings the chorus again on the, on the twelve inch. And I think this is the chorus. This this version of the chorus is the one that ends up on the seven inch. I think the, the previous chorus is the one that was edited out. Yeah, and there's a there's a little different in how he sings some of the later lines as well on the twelve verses to seventh. I noticed. Mm -hmm. So that's um, an interesting thing. You would think that it was just one take, and then they just edited a couple things out. But I don't think it was. I think there were like two different takes. Yeah, I don't know this for a fact, but I guess maybe I need to look at the Dwayne Tudal book to find that out. <laughs> sure. Right. Like you said, it's the Purple Rain era Bible. So, so my my memory of you know, my reading because I just checked into it last night. This was all I don't know how many takes, but this was all done in one afternoon, and then they just came back and, and did some things in post. But for the most part, this was a uh, he only did this song on that particular day, and um, so he he rocked it out in a relatively short span of time. My mommy used to say, "Always trust your lover." I guess that only applies to her. Baby, you promised me. Baby, you promised me you never leave. Then you died on the 25th day of December. Okay, so then the next lines that we get, my mama used to say, always trust your lover. But now I guess that only applies to her. And at this point, he like has this pause. Like normally, the lines are being sung in a in a very um, traditional way, line after line after line. And the, but he pauses here for effect. I don't I'm not sure exactly why he pauses here. But then he comes back and says, "Cause baby, you promised me, baby, you promised me you'd never leave. Then you died on the 25th day of December." And so like right now, this is like halfway through the song. He sings these the of the seven inch version. I think even the 12 inch version is about halfway through. Yep. And um, now we know what's going on. Now we're finally given a clear picture of, of why he's singing this song and reminiscing is because she didn't leave him. She didn't break up with him. She died. Right. <laughs> and, oh, and by the way, she also died on the 25th day of December, which is, of course, Christmas. So, sure. you know, just to add a little melodrama to the whole thing. <laughs> Grandma, this is... Uh... This was a big thing, and here, here it is. This is why I'm angst-ridden. <laughs> yeah, and so now we know that he's not, well, we, we don't know for a fact, but you wouldn't assume that he's now, like, writing a letter. And we certainly know that he's not speaking to her um, because he ran into her um, because he's in town or she's in town, like I had suggested before. Right. Now that we know that she's dead, you have to figure he's either, you know, talking to a ghost, um, talking to her, like, her gravestone hmm. or maybe like he's just sitting at home really depressed and he's just you know speaking to no one and just hoping that she'll hear somewhere wherever she is she'll hear his hear his words so it's uh it's kind of interesting how he's singing these lines and it's just completely one-sided conversation that he's having I mean, he could be writing it. It could be like a diary entry or something like that. We don't can't assume that he's just only speaking these lines, but 
the way I kind of envision it and the, the imagery I get is of either of him visiting her grave or he's home alone, depressed and a little drunk, as we'll find out soon. Hmm. Yeah. What I, kind of imagery do you get? I, yeah, I envision the latter. I envision, I guess maybe I'm Im- imposing uh, Prince onto this fictional character. And if, if that's the case, if, he, if this fictional character is anything like Prince, I'm guessing he's home. I'm guessing he's alone. And I'm guessing he's looking at a frame photograph surrounded mm-hmm. by candles. and he's just either thinking or he's speaking aloud to himself and to the photographs um, in memory of her that's how I that's the vision that I sort of get yep yeah that works too I mean it's that's what's kind of cool about is he doesn't exactly say what he's doing or where he's singing from so we have to come up with that. We have to fill in the blanks ourselves. Agreed. And you know that you you just reminded me of another line from Dwayne Tudal's book that I read last night. It's a quote from Prince that, or I don't know if it was from Prince or if it was um, no, it was it was a combination of things. It was Prince stating of himself, and then like Wendy or Lisa also talking of Prince. And they basically said, once the once the song is out, I don't explain it. It's just there, and it's open for your interpretation. And so, um, so yeah, I, I, I like that too. Yeah. I wanted to go back to that uh, verse for a second and do a little housekeeping here because this contains one of the lines that I always questioned when I was hearing the song without having lyrics in front of me. So the first line of that verse, and you tell me if this is exactly what you have. It says, my mama used to say, always trust your lover. Is that what you have? Yes. Okay. So, and that makes sense especially based on the next couple of lines. But when I hear it, I've always heard the word trust as either judge or just, not trust. And so in one of the um, one of the lyric sources that I found, that line is translated as, Mama used to say, I was just your lover. Oh. So I don't know which is correct, but I know to my ear, it never sounded like trust to me. Although again, you know, seeing it written that way makes sense with the rest of the verse. What do you think? No, I think it totally makes sense with the rest of the verse. But now I'm curious, like now that you put that <laughs> in my brain. I've messed you up, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but I, you know, like sometimes you can make yourself hear something if you want. Yep. Um, so that's not a line that I I was questioning. It's not the most um, intelligible lyrics that he's singing in this song. Right. Just the way that, that he sings it makes it hard to understand a little bit. But it's almost like when you hear the rest of the lines, it allows you to make draw your own conclusions as yes. to what's being said. Because trust, trust your lover, but you promised me you never leave. So I, he's like... Yeah, it applies to her. So to me, I I think that makes more sense. Agreed. My whole life, though, this is the way I read that lyric. My mama used to say, "I was judge or lover." That's the way I've always judge sung or it. lover. Wow. I was judge or lover. I don't know. Well, you know what? Um, that is that is a pretty fascinating interpretation of those lines. I don't even know where to begin with that. With that. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> 
That's almost like another 15 minute conversation. If we well, we can, go down that path. we can keep on going. I just thought it worth <laughs> mentioning and I'll, I'll let uh, the, the listeners decide if, if they want to go back and pour over that line time and again to figure it out for themselves. All right. So then after that, we get another course and this is the one part of the course where or one, one of the courses where he sings an extra line. It's really not nothing significant. He just adds another lonely. Usually it's just one lonely. Now he adds two. And then we get to the next verse. And this is actually the really the last section of um, original lyrics for the song. Mm-hmm. And this is where we're trying. He's once again filling in more of the blanks for us as the listener as to the story. Your father said it was pneumonia. Your mother said it was stressed. Doctor said you were dead now. I say it's senseless. Every Christmas night for seven years now, I drink banana daiquiris till I'm blind. As long as I can hear you smiling, baby, you won't hear my tears. So he says, your father said it was pneumonia. Your mother said it was stress. But the doctor said you were dead, and I, I say it senseless. Every Christmas night, for seven years now, I drink banana daiquiris till I'm blind. As long as I can hear you smiling, baby, you won't hear my tears. Another lonely Christmas is mine. Yeah, mine. Another lonely Christmas is mine. So Todd, this this last section, what what are you taking away from this when you hear it? Well, first we get more information. Yeah, uh, we get that it's been seven years now. So this has been quite a long time. He's been sitting with this grief and he still feels it, whether he feels it in continuum for seven years or whether uh, he just sort of lives with it around the holiday. Uh, we don't know, but it's been a long time. And um, so that's part of it. I also get that, um, again, according to the story, there were some kind of natural cause um the, and this is another lyric where i've always heard something different although stress makes perfect sense because it rhymes with senseless perfectly i always heard that word as strep which <laughs> which would be sort of silly <laughs> so that's probably not it but that's just the way i've always heard it um so just a minor detail there but um you know in the seven inch version this is our first reference to banana daiquiris so yeah. If you're just hearing the, you know, the, the edited version, which most people had, I would imagine, um, you're you're just getting this this uh, reference to banana daiquiris kind of thrown at you out of nowhere. Um, you're like, oh, okay, Prince like banana daiquiris, or this character like banana daiquiris. You didn't know, unless you hear the the whole version, the long version, that they as a couple used to have this drink and used to enjoy them. So anyway, so that's kind of a a thing that comes out of left field if, if you're just hearing the shorter version. And there's also this, this reference to hearing you smile, which I think is an interesting lyric. Um, you know, you don't hear people smile, you hear them laugh. Why didn't he say hear you laugh? I don't know, that's a weird kind of thing for me. Um, and I'm, I don't know how to, to translate that, but just the second, I think, time that he says hear you smile. Um, so that's interesting and um, you know, you can't hear tears either, so you won't hear my tears. Um, you can't hear tears. You can hear crying, sobbing, but you don't hear tears. Again, interesting. So those are my takeaways. Yeah, so my my comment to that is the way, 
Well, first of all, if you go back to the verse that was eliminated for the seven inch version, he says, sometimes I think I hear you smiling. Sometimes I think you're here. So he's kind of said in that verse that this is something that he does. He hears her smiling for whatever reason. Uh-huh. And so this is like a callback to that by as long as I can hear you smiling, baby, you won't hear my tears. But then I also, it just kind of hit me. He's saying that he's drinking banana daiquiris till he's blind. So he can't see. Mm. <laughs> so he has okay. to use his other senses. And okay. So is it one of his other senses is, you know, sound and his ability to hear. All right. There's the tie-in. I, th- I get it. I get it. <laughs> Just in the context of those couple of lines, if he's blind, well, as long as I can hear you smiling. So that's uh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a kind of a jokey thing. Jokey yep. line Because we don't literally think that he's so drunk that he's blind. But anybody who's ever gotten too wasted on alcohol you know the room starts spinning and you don't see things strange everything's a little bit fuzzy <laughs> you know <laughs> drank banana daiquiris till i'm blind and yeah of course if you don't have that 12 inch version the banana daiquiri line is like you said seemingly out of nowhere it's not typically it's 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 not a, mo- a really common drink because it requires you know certain liquors and you have to have bananaries bananas to make a banana daiquiri yeah. and you need a blender and it's just you know it, it's a lot easier just to crack a beer open a bottle of wine right or even just have like you know uh, a glass of, of whiskey or rum or something right yeah some work goes into making a daiquiri and, that, and that's another thing that i often think about when i listen to this song uh, like pequino which i'd never heard of um, i'd never really heard of a banana daiquiri if you go to a restaurant you get their little drink menu and you've got strawberry daiquiris maybe a melon daiquiri maybe a peach daiquiri but i don't think banana daiquiri is often on a restaurant menu for drinks um so this is the only reference to banana daiquiris i've ever had throughout the entirety of my life this song <laughs> yeah and so it's like unless they went on some sort of like tropical vacation together and it was on some menu somewhere and uh, otherwise yeah, it's not the most common of, of even daiquiris. So right. yeah, it's a very unique drink, and it's, it's very memorable for being so unique, which is, I guess, maybe the point. I wanted to put something in there that was going to be very memorable to the mm-hmm. listener. Banana daiquiris. I mean, that is that is a line. That is just those two words. People listen to the song that know it well. That's the song about his dead girlfriend that... And he drinks banana daiquiris. And that's another uh, one of those very specific details that you mentioned earlier on that uh, draws you into the story a little bit. You know, he didn't just talk about drinking. He said specifically, this is what we were drinking. And it happens yeah. to be a little bit of an oddity. <laughs> yep. And then some some other things about this section of the song. So, one, the whole the ambiguity around her death is... <laughs> It's, it's a little confusing and frustrating for the listener. Your mm. father said it was pneumonia. Your mother said it was stress. Now, going back to the stress versus strep thing, there are transcribed lyrics on the internet that put strep in their lyrics. Right. So you've heard that, and obviously other people have as well, because they wrote it on the internet when they were doing like lyric sheets on whatever website it was. Mm-hmm. But um, and I was like, wow, you know, I don't really know for a fact which one it is either. So I, I went to a different version, the live version. If you go on YouTube, you can access the the one time the song was played live in on December 26, 1984, at the St. Paul Civic Center Arena, and he sings this song, and it's pretty clearly 
stress. Doctor said it was pneumonia. Your papa said it was stress. No one told me you were dead. I say it sits me when he's saying yeah. that song live it is it's stress okay so i need to check it out yeah um because I, I really wanted to clarify that if it was still questionable to me then i would have said like okay i guess it's really open to interpretation but he says stress to me at least to my ears it's very yeah clear. right but uh yeah the whole ambiguity around her death is is like i said a little frustrating I was uh, her boyfriend and she died. Damn it, I would want to know exactly how she died. You know, <laughs> don't tell me it's stress, but um, just look at the death certificate. What does it say? <laughs> how, what was what was the cause of death? What was it documented as? Ask her parents. If you really want to know? Maybe at well, this point, oh, he doesn't care. That's not well. Really- maybe maybe he's been. Um, uh, maybe he doesn't talk to his, her parents because dad found him naked in the pool and he's not welcome at the house anymore. Yeah, I mean, it has been seven years, and right. we don't get the impression that they were married. Right. We don't get the impression that they were, like, a married couple that had been together for a really long time. We don't know how long they were together, but all we know is it's been seven years. And so, seven years later, he's still really broken up about this loss. And and just thinking also from a um, where Prince was in his life. Mm-hmm. He was 25 when the song was recorded. You go back seven years, that puts him at 18. Right, he was young. Yeah, he was very young. If, so if you follow it, Prince's timeline, exactly. uh, with, the, with the character's timeline, yes, he was in yes, his teens. He would have been, this would have been like a, a teenage relationship. Sure. Um, but then again, he's singing the song from the character of a, from a character's perspective, so we don't know how old his character is. So I'm just projecting, you know, where Prince was in his life onto right. the lyrics of this song. It doesn't mean like, this was intended to be a teenage relationship that he's still pining over. But boy, if that's true, she really died young too over pneumonia. So there might have been some other factors there. Right. And he is extremely sad still and misses her greatly, misses her dearly after all these years and uses this holiday to kind of wallow in his despair to some respects. He spends it every single year, he spends it alone. And one, I almost wonder if he does this intentionally. Like he uses this holiday to to uh, disengage from from others, to be alone, to intentionally be alone, so he can have his time to mourn. You know, you almost like you get a sense that he's relishing this this loneliness he feels because he 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 takes ownership of it. You know, another lonely Christmas is mine. In that 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 line. Yeah, you could say it means one thing, but I almost like take away that, he, that he's own up, owning up to it. You know, this is mine. I'm I'm taking this Christmas, and it's I'm going to make it another lonely Christmas because this is what I do. This yeah, is, this is how I deal with this. It's mine to deal. And I with. think this is my grief. Yeah, and I think that's kind of also setting a, a, a stark contrast between what the rest of the world presumably is doing. Because the rest of the world is celebrating Christmas. The rest of the world is reverie, you know, in their reverie for celebrating family and fun and gift giving and all the the spiritual meaning behind Christmas. But for him, for now and probably forevermore, he is having his own lonely Christmas. And 
kind of wrapping himself up in that little cocoon. Um, yep. Yep. Separating himself from the rest. Yeah. That's that's really what my takeaway is of the song in general is this is this is Prince Prince's character or given you know Prince an opportunity to sing a song that's really sad and I think the fact that this whole song is about death you know the death of somebody you you brought up a point when we were talking before um, about Prince songs that deal with death yeah. Because we're at the end of the lyrics now. He sings the song, or he sings the chorus one more time, and then we get a lot of the instrumentation. It's a very piano and guitar-driven song. Uh, it's it's one of those. It's credited to Prince and the Revolution, but we know this was just Prince doing all the instrumentation. There's no background right. vocals. It's just Prince. Um, I like the ending of the song. The ending of the song is really cool to me. But from a lyrical standpoint, we're pretty much done. You know, the, the another lonely Christmas is mine. It's like the last new lyric we get, and then he goes back to the chorus again, and that's how we end. But talking about death, then, and as far as like Prince songs and dealing with the subject of of, of death, you know, there there aren't a ton that are as um, focused, like solely focused on the death of a loved one or a death of somebody that he was close to. Well, there's what? one big one big one that comes to mind automatically, I would think, right? That's sometimes it snows yes. in April. Yes, I was going to say that's the one most people would cite, I would say. Of course. And then I came up with two others, and they're not necessarily focused on death, but death is certainly a, a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, they are uh, Moonbeam Levels, which um, was recorded two years prior. And then, because I always like to put things in context, I'm thinking, what, what was in Prince's mind? When did this get on record when was it written so new many levels is two years early and then um the unreleased others here with us which was recorded a year later um so those are the only three that i sort of came up with on short order what about you yeah I, those are two good ones i thought of those and i think and that's the thing about this you can like cite instances where prince talks about death or alludes to death mm-hmm in songs that may be like sign of the times or something but that's not really about the death of a of a loved one right or somebody close to him that's more of like just talking about you know the society and and some of the the social ills that are occurring that involve death of people due to aids or nuclear war same with 1999 it's never explicitly stated but you know there's there's obviously a theme of death impending death but it isn't about the death of a loved one. There's a couple songs in the late 90s that don't explicitly talk about the death of somebody, but if you read into the lyrics, you might you might uh, be able to draw some conclusions. That's uh, Come Back mm. and the song Wasted Tears. Mm-hmm. Those two songs, you can you potentially draw some conclusions about them being about death. Sure. And dealing, Prince dealing with the death of his son and uh you know it could be really really sad if you if you take it into those contexts and make that makes those songs heartbreaking in many ways where this song another lonely christmas you, you kind of know i mean i i always i always felt like this was a fictional song right you can just, you can feel the emotion in the song 
but but still remain detached from it because you feel like it's fiction. You feel, you feel like it's a story. Whereas you're right, you just brought up the one that I've forgotten. Come back. I think most people know that's a very personal song,、um, and so I can actually really、uh, become saddened if I listen to that song. Sure. Another lonely Christmas doesn't make me that sad. I don't know if it's just because I know for a fact it's fictional. The fact that he peppers the song with a lot of humor early on, especially,、mm. uh, and it's sang with a lot of emotion too. But I never really get overly sad when I hear the song, even though I know、yeah. it's supposed to be. You just hit on it for me. It I put this. You know, when we're just talking about death and, and lyrics relative to death, there's that little category of short list of songs that. Kind of pair up with it, but for me, I put it more in terms of the emotional outpouring that Prince gives his performance gives in this song.、Um, you know, the screams and the、uh, different emotive ways that he expresses、uh, the, the 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 singing of the lyrics match up more with songs like, for me,、uh, the beautiful ones. Even I mean, I think those two songs align fairly well. Uh, in terms of emotion, also,、uh, and again, these are all songs that were written around the same time. So you had the beautiful ones; these are the ones I wrote down. Condition of the heart, an empty room. These are all songs of loss or potential loss of a of a lover, not necessarily to death, but just、uh, out of being out of their life or potentially out of their life.、Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's others too, but those are the ones that came immediately to mind for me. For me personally, the 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 combination of the the whimsical lyrics. And the fact that it's, I just can't relate necessarily personally. Like I didn't have anybody that I don't know anybody that died around a holiday. So this song could really mean something and be very emotional for somebody who had a, lost someone around a really important holiday or has holiday memories tied to the death of somebody that's very close to them. I can see this song really meaning a lot. And having a lot of sadness around the the listening of the song for that person is just me personally. I don't have that. Yeah, and I can say、uh, with personal experience that I have lost someone around Christmas. So, and I don't necessarily, but I don't necessarily still f- become more emotionally attached to the song because of that. But I get it. I, I would totally get where somebody could and would. So, I think we've we've covered. Everything wanted to cover with a lonely, another lonely Christmas. Do you have any other further or final thoughts on the lyrics of the song, the song in general? Just a few.、Um, so, the song in general, I I I, I love it.、Um, I don't. It's not one that I go to very often to listen to. It's、uh, as we've already touched on. It's sort of a one-off. It's it was recorded in isolation. It was recorded in February. It was. Uh, released in November, it was only played one time. So it's not one of those songs that's in the day-to-day vernacular、uh, of the Prince of a Prince fan, right?、Um, let alone the world at large.、Um, it just isn't.、Um, but but when it comes up in in you know shuffle, <laughs>、um, it's a fun listen. Not necessarily a fun listen, but a good listen. It's、yeah. the music is. You know, I was listening to it last night、um, in preparation for a conversation and. Um, especially in the longer version, when you get that that extra musical、um, extension on the end, so basically you have an extra minute of verse and an extra minute of music at the end of the song, and that extra interlude especially is gorgeous. 
uh, and it reminded me quite a bit, I don't know if anybody else might have this takeaway, of um, Alexa de Paris, um, the, the musicality in that song. Mm-hmm. Um, although the instrumentation was quite a bit different, this is much more organic with what sounds like real live drums and, and piano uh, playing, whereas the other one is much more synth-oriented. But, uh, but it's just pretty, and especially the piano playing. Oh my gosh. The guitars are actually fairly low in the mix. They're sort of background. But the piano in certain sections of this song is beautiful, and he really, you know, puts his thumbnail down on the on the keys and drags them back and forth, and, and that sweeping, uh, it, it just it's an it's an emotional swell done musically, and it's gorgeous. So musically, I think the song is wonderful um, when it's allowed to be. A lot of the times, it's just sort of focused on the story, but when it gets musical, it's it's terrific. And then. As a, as a small aside, just a, just again, a minor footnote to the song, um, you know, and I had to do the research on this, there was a, a version of this song released, other than on the I Would Die For You single, there was a version of the song released as a promo in Japan by what I can, I think, if I read it correctly, it was like a an offshoot of Warner Brothers Records or something, and it, it's actually referred to as Syndicate, where the song, the edited version of the song is side A, and on side B were all these little recordings of Prince, Sheila E, and Apollonia, if I have that correctly, doing different introductions to songs or a Christmas greeting because it was released, I think Syndicate was released in December, around the same time that the 12-inch version was released. So it would have been a few weeks after the initial 7-inch release. But anyway, I just think that's an interesting footnote yeah um to the release versions so yeah yeah that is fascinating okay well thank you that was very well said todd um so we've reached the end of the episode thank you again for being my guest to talk about another lonely christmas a lot of fun i really well and again the song's not fun but <laughs> so said, said a different <laughs> okay. way it's, it's been enjoyable we can have and we I, can have fun we can enjoy talking about a, a song even if the song's uh, lyrics are a little heavy, so Agreed. I think that, that this is a good case of that, a good example. Yeah, yeah. So where can uh, people find you, Todd, if they wanted to say hi to you or just check out what you're up to? Yeah, I hope they do. Um, really the main source of my output, <laughs> which is just, you know, commentary on the world or, or things about prints or just funny things, is Twitter. Um, and that's how I came to connect with you, and I hope people look me up there. Um, my Twitter handle is simple. It's my first initial and my last name and my birthday. So tsanzone513 is my Twitter handle, or you can look me up as TVS at home. Okay. Thank you again. Yeah. And you can find you. me on Twitter at PressRewind75, Instagram as well, and I have a Facebook page. Uh, hope you enjoyed being on the show, Todd. And I did. I did. Thank you. Until next time, thank you very much and goodbye. <laughs>